It's probably the classiest we'll ever be. <laughs> All right, welcome into a special edition of Tigers SRD Live here in the Gourash headquarters. Co- the compound? Can I call it the co- compound, Mark? It is. Bunker. The bunker? The bunker? Okay. So we're live in the garage here in beautiful, right off somewhere off Woodward, as I don't want people to go after you, Mark, for your comments, possibly. <laughs> That, all, right. Here to all right. So George Sipple, George, uh, formerly of the Freep, joins us. George, thanks for coming on today. Thank, thank you. All right. Awesome. And then if you want to call in, uh, Ian is with me right here from Tigers Minor Report. We're both Minor Report. And then Brandon Day from Bless You Boys. Hey, how's it going? Everybody drinking some nice, uh, what are you drinking right now, uh, Kean? Uh A nice. Uh, Straight out of Columbus, Ohio. Land Grant pool party pills. Nice. And uh, Brandon's rocking a two-hard ale. Yep. Michigan always. Yep, and I'm re- drinking a diet green tea thanks to Sandy Gourash. Thank you for being so accommodating. We appreciate it. And Mark has made some delicious corn tacos with sausage and shrimp. They were delicious. And uh, so no Chris Brown this evening. Chris is getting ready for Chicago as uh, he's taking his first vacation for a while. But uh, Chris will be joining us in spirits, of course, and probably listening right now. And you can find us on TigersMakeReport.com every single week. You find the Tigers SRD on iTunes, Google Play, you name it, we're on there as well. Check out all our fine podcasts, including the original Rebuild 1 and 2, and the last one where Mark and Ken got the chance to Dan Hasty. And by the way, thanks, Dan, for uh, retweeting. We really appreciate that. So uh, there's some awards we're going to get to. Some, we're going to talk some minor league baseball, of course, the rebuilding process. Ken went, and I went to the Tigers game today. Watch a good game, too. And if you want to join in the conversation, the number is 740251 Four eight nine six. I know that's an Ohio number, so do not. What's the three one three, man? Don't be alarmed. Yeah, don't be alarmed. Just call in. Let us know what you think, and we appreciate it. And the Tigers fall today two nothing. As uh, Mike Clevenger was doing Mike Clevenger things. Eight. I believe he finished the game with eight strikeouts. The Tigers just looked overmatched, and the although I did see some the, the pitching DVH Drew Verhagen. Second straight outing where he was just pitching it out there. And, uh, yeah, it was, I don't know, it was, as uh, Keen called it, the third time around he was uh, got some pickle. But uh, Harold Castro made a really good catch there, Keen. Uh, Castro's our best center fielder, which is horrifying. Best center um, fielder now. Yes. Yeah. He, uh, Godspeed, Jacoby Jones. He, he almost got injured on a, play, on a fly ball to left field. That should have been in Victor Reyes's back pocket, um, but Castro, he, I, I think Jason Beck tweeted out that he ran 124 feet at like uh, I can't how many remember how many feet per second 29.1 feet per second or something like that, and uh, tracked down a fly ball from Lindor with the bases loaded, and turned extra bases into a sacrifice fly. So Harold Castro, who knew? Plays a halfway decent center field for a guy who I thought was a utility infielder for the last 10 years. And a, and a minor league <laughs> utility infielder, yeah, for sure. Correct. Yeah, yeah. he was, used to be Yeah, he was, used to be on the Tigers' top prospect list for, I remember back in the early aughts, ten, or aught, is it 10,000s, I'm not sure, two, well, 2010s, whatever. But it was good to see him prosper. Willie Castro had a nice double today. And, of course, Lenore doing what he does best, and he had home runs. And there was a lot of Cleveland fans there. There was a lot of definitely Indians tribe out there as in right field when he hit the home run. But 
we're not here to talk about today's game. We're here to talk about the little about the future, the prospects, and the good and bad and ugly, the inside numbers, too. We're going to do regular segments, and there's a lot to get to this evening. And the news today of, well, was the Florida State League canceled their games due to weather. As uh, The reason why Chipman's not going to be able to join us this evening is because there's a Stage 4 hurricane coming down there, and Florida State League canceled it all. And that was, of course, there's more things important than the game, obviously. And so, but uh, Lakeland was, I think, what, a game behind, Kean? For the playoffs at this at this present juncture, something like that. They were they were chasing a playoff picture. I think they, I think they actually had it because uh, yeah, the Dunedin Blue Jays were in first place and they won the first half, so they were in no matter what. So yeah, we were just I think we were a half game ahead of the Tampa Tarpons. Say that fast five times. I <laughs> I'm not gonna try to, but um, no, but yeah, there was there is evacuations going on right now, and and there's safety is more important. So, um, but yeah. The Lakeland Tigers coming on, and the Seawolves right now kind of falling back a little bit with all the injuries they've had in the bats. Uh, the Seawolves have been able to still stay competitive, but Cody Clemens has come up, but they still kind of lack a punch out there. And uh, But they lost a doubleheader yesterday, and I'm not sure how they're faring today. But uh, yeah, it's good to see the Seawolves. And, and, I mean, we, 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 the Mudhens and I know the Whitecaps have fallen back a little bit, but playoff baseball. Close, we'll get to it. So I'll take it. Yeah, well, and they have made kind of a fuss about you know the um, you know just the benefits of being a team like going and, and playing in the minor, in a minor league postseason environment, which a lot of us were a little bit like eh, about. But unfortunately, it doesn't necessarily look like it's going to happen now either. So yeah, SeaWolves are uh, two and eight in their last ten. They've lost four straight. They're a game back of first place. They're losing four nothing tonight to Richmond as we speak. Um, Anthony Castro on the bump. So. They're just limping to the finish line of this season with that depleted rotation there in Erie. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 they just seems like it's been devastated by injuries there. But uh, sorry, if you have the another mic on there. Yeah, but uh, but George, thanks for joining us, by the way. And uh, you have some perspective. We're going to talk a little bit about the the start of you've been covering the team for how long did you cover the team for essentially? Or I mean, you, it seems like it's, it's like. 10, 10 years. I know. No, no. Four or five years. Four or five years. Yeah. But with talking beforehand, it feels like it was forever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was there for two decades at the Fleet House and did a little bit of everything. Enjoying the life. The 9 to 5 is, suits you mighty fine. <laughs> yeah, and there's there's a a piece about it too where you can kind of sit back and watch the game where it's not from a uh, analytical standpoint so much or kind of so scouring for sources and what have you. I mean, I'm sure there's a peace of mind with that. Yeah, I don't watch a lot of Tigers these days because uh, they're not really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a tough watch. But uh, now we move on. And, and so really – what I wanted to get to is there's a couple usually Chris and I start with the inside the numbers are good, bad and ugly this week. So, but, um, Mark, get some questions for the table and kind of kick off the table a little bit before we get to the segments. Okay. Uh, I tried to prepare a question for
Let's, uh, let's look ahead to June 1st, 2020. What do you think uh, the starting uh, eight, a rotation, and uh, a bullpen will look like for the Detroit Tigers? All right, Brandon, I'll let you kick this off. Oh, yeah, let's just start real simple. I'll just name the entire 25-man roster for the 2020 Tigers. Is that what you're asking? No. I'm, I'm, <laughs> who, who, do you, who do you think the infield will be? All right. Ju- June 1st, you got it. June 1st? Okay. Should I assume that the Tigers you, are going to do the right thing? Mm, I shouldn't do that. <laughs> you are sitting in Sorry, Isaac Brady's. You will so be in Toledo. we will never – Assume that the Tigers do the right thing. Although, big big props to Aldeola and Dave Littlefield. Big big props because this Wait, was what's really happening? making me nervous. <laughs> Jordy Mercer not playing shortstop right now. Yep, they have committed a hundred percent. It seems to Willie Castro. So it's I'll say time. Willie Castro and you know playing <laughs> shortstop all next season. That's kind of easy. Um, God, third base. Are they gonna Are they gonna bother with Lugo? You know they are. They are. So I'll say Dowell Lugo will get a couple months next year. This Although, is June first. I'm giving you. Yeah, yeah. I think it might. I think it might take that long um, for them to give up and just I don't know, put them back to Toledo or or call it call it good. Um, I'm I'm gonna say Jamer Candelario. What position? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, it feels like first base because they're gonna try some other people at third. Mm-hmm. Um, Second. Yeah, I. Probably a bunch of Nico Goodrum. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping. I hope Got they it. just pick a position for Nico Goodrum and just let him play there. Okay. Get out of his way. A little bit. Just for a year until, uh, uh, yeah, unnamed future prospect who will break out will take over the position. Give me a, give me, give me a fast <laughs> outfielder. Outfielder, B. Maybe Cody, Cody Clemens. Um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, Travis Merritt in right. Jacoby Jones in center. Probably still Victor Reyes in left. Um, along with some mixture of Kristen Stewart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. going to be your four, and at some point I expect Diaz to at least get it going well enough to finally force someone out of their out of their role there. Catcher? Jake Rogers, and if I have my way, a veteran free agent signing. Left-handed hitter? Josh Lester. No, I don't no, know. No, I'm just a left-handed <laughs> hitting catcher yeah i mean and the thing is like alavila or excuse me alex avila kind of even makes sense in that in that role again but i would highly advise alavila not to do that um for pr purposes but yeah i would i would love to see them sign a veteran catcher we bitched about it all this offseason um that they needed somebody i mean going into the season with john hicks and grayson griner isn't just bad for your catcher position it's bad for your pitchers it's bad for everybody okay Um, june June 1st who do you think's a rotation all right, Matt Boyd, Daniel Norris, Jordan Zimmerman, they probably won't have given up on yet. Probably still take another month or two, I would guess. Spencer Turnbull. Free agent signing, mm-hmm. another small one. Mm-hmm. And by the way, they should have signed Sonny Gray this offseason, like I told them. But anyway, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, probably something like that. I could, you know, maybe they'll even give Matt Moore another world because he looked okay and they're going to be super cheap about it and you know this. So, yeah, I'll go with something along those lines. Um, Casey Mides might force his way in because someone, one of those names I already mentioned will get hurt in spring training, at least one. 
maybe Casey might as well force his way in by June 1st if he's healthy and, and rolling. Rod, you got any thoughts on? Well, I, I do agree with the catcher idea. The I mean, I was looking at some of the free agent catchers that are coming up. Jason Castro, he's not left-handed. Bad. I don't think he is. He is. Oh, yes. Okay. Well, that's a good one. Yeah, Jason Castro. Then for our purposes. Yeah, for what we need. Um, he's behind my list. So I just don't think they'll pay him. So no. Yeah, because he's currently who's making an eight million dollars salary. So I don't think that yeah, they're not for a backup catcher. No, but uh, you have Austin Romay, but he's a right-handed catcher, right-handed bat catcher. Matt Weeters is. One, yeah, he's done though. He's toast. He's absolutely toast. Even for the likes of like, here's here's what you're looking at for the Tigers on the cheap. If you're gonna, if they're, that's the way they're gonna go, Jose Lobaton. Do you have? I know, right? Travis uh, Arno. Oh, it's Travis Darno. Don't know. Yeah. Who actually has had a pretty strong year for Tampa, but yeah, he might command some more money. Jonathan Lucaroy, who, toast. yeah, he's toast. And the rest of the, the rest of the free agent market out there, catcher wise, is just it's, it's atrocious. So I mean, I mean, you're not going to get a good hitting backup catcher because there aren't even yeah. that many good hitting starting catchers. I mean, if if they think Jonathan Lucori can mentor Rodgers in some way or is at least going to do a decent job with the staff, that, that's okay with me too. I just don't yeah. want them to just like turn it over to Grayson Griner or Bobby Wilson no again. Yeah. What, what do you see as an infield? For me, I and I talked to with Keen about this earlier today, and then something I talked about with Chris, but. In infield, I see I see Candelario making the team. It's, it, it, or not Candelario, I'm sorry. Paredes will probably get the call June 1st to play third. I think they're going to just put a stopgag measure of Candelario at third and see what he can do in the spring. And if he struggles again, they're just going to bring up Paredes for, you know, of course, service reasons. But Castro, I think, is going to be your full-time shortstop. It looks to be appear that way. It's aiming that way. And Willie, Willie had a good game today, but I think Willie's going to – they're the way they had the position Mercer, like the way that you mentioned earlier. I was joking around saying that, oh, Mercer's playing first because he's showing, hey, you know what? I'll play anything. Just sign me next year. Because okay. <laughs> I mean, if Candelario's not going to be, you saw Candelario got stayed, they told him to stay in Toledo. So something is amiss to me. I mean, at second base, I hope to God they go out and actually find somebody versus just a stop gag measure. I, you know, I don't, I mean, I would love to put Nika Goodrum at second base at least. And give him a solid position because I think he plays a good defense. But um, I think Goodrum at, se- uh, at second and at first base, whew, I mean, <laughs> it's such a crapshoot. The, the Tigers don't really have anybody right now that can play first on a consistent basis. What? The, the obvious answer is Frank Schwindel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I mean, like, if we're going to go on the cheap route, yes. Scooter. I mean, he's tearing up Toledo right now. But uh, I mean, if Scooter Gannett is healthy, you know, there, there might be a few second-base options. But I just, you know, it's just hard to imagine them spending any money. So, yeah. Spend that Nick well, Cassianos they, money, Chris. Come on. I think it's – they'll spend up to $15 million collectively to sign free agents. What about the uh, Yonzer? That much money this year. That sounds about right. Yeah, yeah what yeah, about – the return on the $15 million. <laughs> I mean, you know what's funny is, like, when they, Jonathan Shoup, who just hit his 20th home run this year uh, – or twenty, he yeah, twenty, yeah. He was out there. I thought the Tigers should have made a play on him. No, they didn't do that. Um, or they made. I know uh, Minnesota trade. Or was it Minnesota trade required him? Yeah, signed him. Um, but Yonzer Alonso was a first baseman out there. That uh, according to this. But I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do on that. But that's in the outfield. It's going to be Stewart, Jones, and Demerit. That's that's your outfield next right, year. Yes. <laughs> If they can, if they find, I mean, they have to find at bats or at, 
Ray just looks like Frankenstein when he walks out there. Did you notice that today, Ian? He looks weird out there. Just it's he's not graceful out there. I don't know. Less power than Frankenstein. He, he runs off the field very weirdly. Yeah. I mean, the the thing is, you have to you do have to consider that Jose Azokar, Derek Hill, those guys yeah. probably have to be at Toledo. Victor Reyes can't. I mean, he doesn't have any. If he can't play in the majors, even in a backup role, there's just no. Oh, he, he's going to no be. He's so. he's on the roster next year, even yeah, if he's a backup. I think outfield. so too. So. What about, what about starter? Fifteen. Boyd, Zimmerman by default because we don't really have a choice. I just don't really have a choice. I think Norris. Norris needs in. Brandon, I, I'll admit that I was wrong. Like I was in the. I was in the. Yes. <laughs> I, I was in the. The Chris Brown, I told Chris before, I thought he'd be a good uh, guy out of the bullpen, but Norris has proved me wrong. He's doing this thing now with his arms, so he's kind of like swinging the motion a little bit there before then, and I, and I was noticing that today. Um, but I think I think he's showing a lot better stuff. Four for fifth starters. Honestly, I would like to have an open tryout, Let's see what Anthony Castro can do at the fifth starter spot. I think they're going to probably have to evaluate what they have down in Toledo. Yeah, you could use Kyle Funkhauser um, for a month before he gets hurt. Yeah, or put him in the bullpen like he's – him and Burroughs both, I think, should be in the bullpen. That's just me. Sorry, I'm, I'm probably pissed off a lot of people out there. But I think Anthony Castro – see what – open tryout for fourth or fifth starter. But Castro, I think, would be there. And I think they're not going to – again, Manning and those guys are not going to be touched for another year, I don't think. But I wouldn't be surprised if maybe one of them gets up a call, me, either Mize or Manning at the middle of the year. But that fifth spot, they're going to have to go with bullpen starts for now. Maybe maybe see Matt Hall as a stopgag measure. Hall, a combination of Hall or Tyler Alexander as a stopgag stop measure. I'm not saying... Drew Verhagen. I don't know about that, man. I, we're going to talk about Drew Verhagen inside the... We're in a, one of these segments, I, I have some... So there's some I, numbers about them? I mean, here, here's the thing. I mean, there are those guys, and yeah, I mean, for all I know, if you had to bet... Would Matt Hall get a start next year? Yes or no? I'd probably say yes. I'd Same thing. I bet a finger. Yeah, he does not. No. See, all right. Don't don't take that bet. I'm <laughs> telling you. And uh, you know the same thing with Tyler Alexander too. I bet. But, but you need finger. those. Yeah. There you go. You need those guys in the Can you know for backup. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Take his middle. He'll he'll be lost. Um, but yeah, you know you you do you know you're going to go through ten or eleven starters. So some of those guys, you're probably going to have to have hanging around at Toledo in some kind of a bullpen role or in some kind of long relief role with the Tigers. But one way or the other, you've got to find someone else who's at least competent to try because you know a couple guys are going to go down in the spring. Always happens. Guys. Our so, analysis of Dave Littlefield, what do you got to say for yourself? <laughs> the result of this exercise, based on how bad this team is, the conversation we just had projecting next year's team is next year's team better, worse, or the same as this year's team. Yeah, that's really what it comes down to because I don't think you're going to see anything, you know, substantially, you know, interesting happen until the guys who are at Erie now come up. And I don't think any of them are going to, or at least very few of them are going to be in the mix to start the season. So we're looking at year three of, you know, full-on suckitude. Specifically why I use June 1st as a day. By the way, Chris Chris Brown's chimed in on our chat, and he said, what about Turnbull? And, I mean, I think Turnbull would be a good fifth starter, but the problem is I think he's going to be – I think he's going to be out of the bullpen. I mean, I, he this is his max – this is the most amount of innings he's pitched this year, and it seems like I, – I, I don't know – for lack of bullpen depth right now, maybe just put him out of the bullpen for now 
I mean, if he wants to start, that's fine. But as a fifth starter, maybe a swing guy, you know, give him some long because the bullpen right now, that's what's this bullpen. I think the bullpen's gonna be worse next year. Well, I mean, the, the Tigers are gonna start Spencer Turnbull. I mean, I think that's that's almost a no brainer. As long as he's healthy, he'll be in the rotation. And it's just a question of how long it takes them to, you know, to come to the realization. Or maybe Spencer Turnbull surprises us and shows a little bit better command, and they just kind of roll with it. But you know, um, I I, will, I think long term Spencer Turnbull is better off in the bullpen too. But I don't expect the Tigers to see it that way until they're forced to. Petey, if, you, you got some thoughts about by June first winning? Well, I want to bring up one more point, and that's. We talked about first base, and not a single person mentioned a Hall of Famer who's on our roster, and that's Miguel Cabrera. And I started saying last year, at the beginning of last year, that I think Miguel is essentially done. Um, people don't like that because Miguel's a legend right. in Detroit, right? But he's essentially having a repeat season of what he had in 2018, and we didn't even mention him as somebody who might play first base at all he's next year. So. So Miguel Cabrera is our DH next year, and what's Miguel Cabrera? What what Miguel Cabrera do we have? What does he bring to this team in 2020? A launch angle of 86, maybe. <laughs> 86. I mean, it's just I don't know. Yeah, I mean, just you know, some you know, fairly empty batting average. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a reasonable total of RBIs because he can still hit. You know, when he has the pitcher under pressure, and I don't know, maybe maybe he figures out how to flip a few balls and you know in the air with the bad right knee and hits 15, 20 home runs. But I, I mean, I'd more, I think it's more likely that he misses 80 games than that he hits 20 home runs again. So, I mean, that's where Kristen Stewart's going to be slotted a lot of the time. And that's why I still think Victor Reyes is going to play a lot of left field because Stewart's probably going to be DH in a bunch. Do you guys see them try? I love you, Miguel. I'm so sorry. <laughs> what about Soto? Do you guys see they, they try to make him a starter again or is he better, just better off in the bullpen? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, always been a reliever. I think just about everybody agreed with that Brandon even like two years ago. We've been yelling about this for a year, and we understood when they started him to try to get him experience. But I think that you see when he throws one inning stints, he's at least useful, yeah. if not more than that. I mean, he all he has to do is throw it, throw strikes. Correct. That's it. Not even like. Well placed strikes. Ninety eight from the left side does not come along all the time, and yep. the breaking ball is okay. So, yeah. So, Sip, you you have a lot more intimate knowledge of how some of the front office thinks and budgetary concerns, and they've been two hundred losses into it for two straight years. At what point in time are you think they're going to start filtering? younger players and trying to actually try to put a product on the field that may create at least some interest from fans, which are basically all in a coma now from this. Yeah, I was going to say uh, maybe Clemens just because they have to justify a, a bad draft pick at some point. Aren't they just, <laughs> but, but they're also justifying a bad trade with Dawal Lugo, too, which yeah. didn't you have to say. I'm not a Cody Clemens guy. He's sitting 171 at Erie right now. I, I just, he just got there. but yeah. right. He's a long way away, though, one way or the he, other. He hit, two, he hit 230 at Lakeland, so it's, you know, I, I just, he hasn't proved to me that he can hit. I mean, I, I'll take a stab at this because normally being the by far and away the biggest pessimist. 
about all this stuff. I I think people are going to be, I don't care about extensions. I don't care. Look, here's the bottom line. You can't draw 1.3 million fans. You can't have terrible television ratings going into a season that you're going to renegotiate your TV contract. You can't expect people who are now totally asleep that the, even us, the five of us who are some of the most loyal baseball watchers of the Detroit Tigers can barely muster up longer than 15 consecutive minutes of watching Detroit Tiger baseball right well, now. So we I said, we said earlier that Chris Brown was only here in spirit, and I feel like the Tigers are only here in the major leagues as a spirit right now. <laughs> <laughs> for, the fir- for the first time, and I used the, the date of June 1st for a reason. I, I, here's what I think. I think barring signing a useful first baseman for some money, a guy like Justin Smoke, maybe, somebody like that, which would be an outstanding signing inexpensively. I, I think their infield on the 1st of June next year will be Heimer Candelario at first, Nico Goodrum at second, Willie Castro at short, Isaac Paredes at third. I think Jake Rogers will catch. He will have a platoon partner, somebody that's experienced, that understands how to prepare for games, read a pitching staff, read reports, has been in the league, that can mentor him. I think Jacoby Jones in center, Demerit in right, assuming that he continues to hit, because they will not be very loyal to him. And uh, Christian Stewart will probably be in left, but I would expect Victor Reyes, who they love that 690 OPS, 285 bat, uh, and <laughs> he will be in the mix for at-bats also. I think in a rotation, you obviously have Norris and Boyd. I think both Manning and Mize, assuming health, and here's the key about Casey Mize. Casey Mize never finishes the season healthy. You know, Cody, Cody Stevenhagen wrote a, a really nice piece about that, but more importantly, before that piece, Danny Hasty had a very nice talk with Keenan and I, and said off, some hot, off the record. He had an off the record conversation. Highly unpopular <laughs> things about the durability that he was concerned about about Casey Mize well before all this went on, and he was spot on. And Cody did a very good job of, you know, lending factual reporting to to what a lot of people have said. So if you're going to bring Casey Mize up to the show next year, and I think it's a pretty safe bet that Casey Mize is going to throw on the show next year. I mean, honestly, you should start with Casey Mize while he's hot. Casey Mize should be up here in the month of May when he is normally at full capacity. You want to see how Casey Mize does when he's healthy and rolling and looking good. You want to wait until July when he's maybe broken and struggling and puffing and puffing to the finish line and find out what he does then. Yeah, that, that, that isn't exactly the wisest tact of player development, is it? And as far as Matt Manning goes, I'd be getting Matt Manning's butt up here too because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the president of the Matt Manning fan club, but 
No, you are the vice president. I am the co-president. <laughs> I was going to say, Brandon Day has been on the Matt Manning train. He was the one, the conductor. He built a train. He, We've been on yeah. that train together. Yeah. But I will say, okay, he needs to come up here and learn a few things. I, I, have, I think the world of Matt Manning, but pitching in the major leagues, no matter how dominating you are, it's a process of learning. And they need to get those two guys up here. So now you got Matt Manning, Casey Mize, Norris, Boyd, you need a fifth guy. And I would imagine there'll be two free agents signed that will be of middling quality. Chris, um, Chris Brown said that they, they, a good possibility is they would bring back Matt Moore because of the familiarity because it seems I, like – Yeah, but my expectations of Matt Moore are pretty meager. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, Matt Moore is kind of like the the swing guy. Like maybe he'll start for you. You know, maybe he's you know he he takes the role as Nick Ramirez and is a little bit better. Right. You know, yeah, he did look good. I have to say, like I've watched Matt Moore the past couple seasons, and he hasn't looked as good as he did for us this spring. He was throwing harder. His cutter looked better. I mean, he blew out his knee. You know, what are you going to do? If he's healthy, I guess I wouldn't hate that. He's probably going to be cheap too. And after Jordan Zimmerman goes home this year. I really, really think Jordan Zimmerman's going to have a long think this winter time of how much he wants to throw next year. He's going to get paid either way. But, you know, this is this is getting to the point where I, I fully expect Jordan Zimmerman not to pitch after 2020. I think he will retire. He has far too many health issues, not, not much point. He can't really be effective, so I, I don't really see any reason for him to continue once this contract is over. So going back to how you started the conversation about attendance, mm-hmm. short of Manning and Mize, there's no reason to watch the Tigers. Well, I think that people would yeah. watch the Tigers if Isaac Paredes and Mize and Willie Castro and, and, and they were playing kids that they could start getting some – relationship with that they think might actually be here and you know better players I mean you, you can't keep you can't keep playing poor triple-a players for years based upon the idea that you're trying to attain a high draft position well let me to interrupt that there for a second too mark because I here's the thing you look at teams like the Royals Baltimore it, it, I'll give you an example about the Royals, teams like Baltimore, Kansas City, where they seem like they're tanking on purpose and they don't care because they're trying. They're a small market. Kansas City's just, we talked about the value beforehand, $1 billion. There's teams out there that are going to roll that because with a guaranteed TV money, they're not going to care. And so I think that's that plays a part of it where, I, you know what? Surprise me. You know what? I'll do one too. Beer. beer. I'll, I'll have a beer. Sir. Oh, um, I'll take a two hearted, please. Beautiful Sandy. Sandy yeah. Thank you, Sandy. Thank you. Thank you. But. I'll take an iced tea, Yeah. But there's teams. There's teams out there that are rolling out four A players, and they're they're selling the te- they're selling it out there. But it's showing an attendance. I mean, I this this game today was barely what two? I would say five thousand, six thousand. Keenan, if I'm being generous. It was 
Thursday afternoon in Detroit. Yeah. For the one of the worst teams you've ever first seen. Team yeah. Lose sixty games at home for the first time in major league yeah, history. It was, it was, yeah, it but was. But it was there was a lot of Indians fans there. Yeah. yeah, it was a lot more Indians fans, and I could hear Dan Dickerson. I could hear that's how quiet it was in there. I heard Dan from the booth. Like you can hear a little bit of the audio in there, but there's so many teams out there that are just just collecting checks. So I don't I don't know. I think fans are going to have enough. I mean, they are they're showing that right now this year. Clearly, they're demonstrating that they're not interested in the product. And for the, the Tigers to be, I would love for them to be in a position like Milwaukee or even Pittsburgh, for the matter, where they're at least attempting. I mean, Pittsburgh is, you know, they got they've they've. they've, they've they tried. I mean, they went on the international market this year. Got like twenty. They got a whole bunch of players. At least they're trying. They're being inventive. You see things that they're doing. Milwaukee, same thing. Milwaukee has been conservative at the trade deadline, but their system is kind of barren right now. But at least they're trying. There's some sort of thank you. St. Louis is in first place. First place, and there's just this. But I mean, there's a different. That's a different ball game altogether. But there's teams that are being creative and trying something about. Even Toronto. As Toronto's been atrocious. But they have a they have a they have guys in place. They have Guerrero Jr. There's Bo Bichette, uh Biggio. They have a talent. They're they're getting ready out there, and even Texas. Texas has been competitive. Who thought that Texas would be this? You know, in the in the thick of the AL West, I would be happy with that. I would be excited for just that at least. Well, I guess the the thing is like, how valuable is it is it to be competitive? I mean, I think when you've beat everyone down the way the Tigers have the past couple of years. The Tigers playing, you know, roughly 500 ball for a couple months would get everybody pretty excited. But I think overall I'm less enthused about most other teams as compared to the Tigers as, as maybe some of you guys are. I mean, I think there's like seven, seven really good franchises, and almost everybody else is like just desperately scrambling to catch up. And I don't necessarily think, you know, I mean, if the Tigers wanted to, the Tigers could be 500 next year. Tigers could trade a couple prospects. Tigers could spend... 30 million in free agency and still have, you know, a pretty low payroll. I mean, you can do that. It's just, you know, Riley Green, but, you know, to me, the Tigers burnt a couple years where they didn't really do anything that made sense, didn't develop their, their organization or their system, their scouting, their player development, and they've made more noises the past few years like they're doing the right things, but, you know, until we start seeing evidence from it, there, there's not much there. Um, to, to get excited about. You need to see it come through, and the Tigers still are a long way away. But I don't know. Is it, is it, is it worth the Tigers, you know, making an effort to be 500 next year or, so you know, to push for it? I don't know if the worst is not to come. I feel like we're in, we might be going into year three of, of a three-year terrible low, you know. And, and hopefully by the midpoint of next season, we do start seeing Manning, and, you know, we're seeing Scooble, and we're seeing Mize, and we're seeing Paredes. You know, Daz Cameron, like some of these guys are coming, um, but it, it's it's still so far from being enough. And anybody out there who wonders what we're talking about, you know, go take a look at the Yankees. Three-hour tour park. I was always more of a fan of uh, Marianne. We can talk about that later. <laughs> but um, but yeah, you know, you look at the the Astros and the Yankees, and how many of homegrown players do they have? Not that many. And the ones they have are are fucking killers. You know, they're all killers. But then most of the rest of their roster, they've been able to trade, you know, sign guys who are undervalued and develop them. There, there's just so many angles to it, and we're still stuck, you know, just hoping for the, the farm system part of it to work out in the, in the draft. And that's like, you know, barely phase one. Yeah, I, I appreciate you saying that, Brandon. And 
First of all, Mark, I just want to say I think it's adorable that you insist on calling him Heimer Candelario because nobody else <laughs> refers to him as that. That's all right. We were talking about Andre Lipsius earlier because I, I want to say Lipsius <laughs> so bad. But uh, also, uh, our buddy Chris Brown, who unfortunately couldn't be here tonight, hopefully he's listening to us. Oh, he is, yeah. He, he sent his regards, and what he said was, and he sent this on our group message yesterday, is that tanking is dumb and good teams are good at player development. So you were kind of diving into tanking a little bit and saying, like, what's the point of being a 500 team? But that doesn't mean you're endorsing tanking. Yeah, so, I mean, if you, need the, if you need a number one overall pick to get somebody good, you really suck. I mean, right. you really suck, yes. you know? I'm glad you're here, and George, I'm glad you're here, because on Keenan's and when we do the Team Rebuild podcast, we have a term. It's called developing players at the fringes. What, what I mean by that is very good teams or shrewd teams more than just the Yankees and the Dodgers who may be the best at it seem to find other teams cast off. Tampa's very good at it. Yeah. Oakland's good at it. San Francisco is becoming very good at it since Farhan Zaidi is there. But you find players that other teams uh, cast off, yet they had skills, and they found ways to polish those players, to tweak them, to improve some of their skill sets to become very good players. They were players that failed in other places. Now, let's use the Yankees as a great example of this, which are they have Gio Urshela, who was there for the taking for anyone, always had a reasonably decent glove and was just a horrible hitter. And I think the last time I looked, Gio Urshela was in the top four in the American League in batting average, okay? Didi Gregorius, when he was dealt to the Yankees, was a terrible hitter. He's not a terrible hitter now. Uh, and, and this isn't just a matter of, hey, you're in Yankee okay. Stadium, so you can hit home runs left and right. Hicks? Pure hitting. How, how, how was Hicks as a hitter when... They acquired him from Minnesota. Yeah, he was he was a guy who everyone thought had failed, like that they right. had hoped would be good and never was. Voight at first, how was Voight? Mm, a nobody. Correct. So yeah, these they, are they hit on JD Martinez. Don't expect I think another exactly the, the ten year window now. Even the failed to failed to sign him. So or trade well, him at his highest point, point of value. Good teams are very shrewd at finding. It's not just developing players through the major league draft or international free agents. It's finding players at the sh- at the fringes. It's finding Mike Yastrzemski in San Francisco. It's finding. We're just talking Max- about them. We're just talking about them earlier today. It's finding Max Muncy. Okay. It's finding Chris Taylor. It. it Marcus dude, Simeon. Ma- well, Marcus Simeon has gotten they, tremendously yeah, better, but right? T- but they. They, he developed into a player after five years. My point about this is, besides Nico Goodrum, who, who have the Tigers done this with? There's the crickets in the background that are demonstrating that sound right now. <laughs> it's a skill. <laughs> player development is a skill. Uh, I, I don't want to interrupt you here, Mark, because you're on to something. But I want to bring something up about not trading J.D. Martinez at his peak value. Not, yes, or not signing. or not signing him. So we had a conversation 
last off season, Brandon, on the Bless You Boys chat, where I said, is this the time to deal Matt Boyd? Is Matt Boyd's trade value ever going to be higher than it is right now? Do you, do, do you feel and, and, and yeah, do you feel that Matt Boyd has regressed or that Matt Boyd is still a significant rotation piece for the next three to five years in Detroit? Um, or should we have dealt him? I mean, I, I don't necessarily think you should have dealt him, but I do think, you know, the Tigers would probably be wise to explore a cheap extension this, this year because Matt Boyd is the type of pitcher who is particularly good in a place like Comerica Park, for one. And for two, isn't a guy who's yet shown the ability to go you know, past 120 innings and keep it going the rest of the way. Um, and, that, you know, and that's kind of been the thing. Even in 2016, which is his first significant major league time, you know, um, they took their time bringing him up. They did the same thing with Norris and stuck with you know, Sanchez when he was struggling. They stuck with Pelfrey way too long. And then Matt Boyd came up and was awesome for two months in the summer and then faded out again in, in August. Um, and that was when Daniel Norris kind of took over. Um, I mean, there's a million examples where, and this is a very hard thing to do, but the Tigers' timing just has not been, been very good. Um, I mean, I'm perfectly fine that, that they held out for whatever they held out for. I mean, I'm, I'm all for, like, you know, if, if you're going to trade Matt Boyd, you need a high-end position player prospect for him, and guys aren't, you know, teams aren't giving those guys away anymore. Um, so, you know, but you have to decide for yourself, and this is the same thing that happened with Nick Castellanos. You can't just wait and say, hey, give me this, give me this, give me this. Uh, we can't get anything for him. We're dumping him. Like, either extend him and, and get some value out of, out of him that way, or, yeah, you know, get creative and make some kind of a deal. And we get to see Alavila really seem like he explored a lot of trade ideas, you know, three-team deals, all that sort of thing. And I'm not saying that you need to push. I'm personally pretty critical of Jack DePoto um, because for all the sound and fury, he's accomplished nothing in a lot of ways. But, you know. He does have two hitters that will be in the top 15 in baseball that he did not draft. Eh, whatever. I don't care about that. <laughs> Win something. But, um, but yeah, you know, I mean, it's up, it's up to you at a certain point as the general manager to decide for yourself. Like, do I think I can get what I want for Matt Boyd? If the answer is no, then, yeah, you should be talking to him about an extension. You know, he's a guy who's, you know, been very durable. He's gotten better basically every season. Um, his, you know, the actual quality of his pitches, you know, apart from whatever you want to look at in his numbers, has demonstrably improved a lot over the past two seasons. And if Homeboy can find a changeup and Jake Rogers can kind of keep the uh, keep the pitch mix buried enough to keep the home runs from coming, you might have a better starter next year. But at very weird, least, you're going to have a solid guy. I have a weird theory about Matt Boyd. And I'm going to – I think we need to look at it. You're very good at these things. And Matt Boyd has been unusually terrible in the months of June and July the last few years. Yeah. What two months of the season does the ball fly mm -hmm. more than in June and July? Yep, that's it. It gets hot, ball flies. Yep. And uh, I haven't looked, but maybe he's been on the road a little bit more. I don't know. Um, you know, the other thing, I mean, it just all comes down to him finding that changeup. You know, if you guys remember, like, mid-summer 2016, it was fastball changeup. That was when he lowered his yeah. arm angle. Yep. Yeah. He was bananas good for about two months. Nobody could touch him and he had everybody off balance. Now he's lost the changeup, but he's got a pretty damn good slider. If he can kind of put that whole package together, and you know he's going to be at driveline this offseason working at it, 
So yeah, I'm not uh, I'm not done expecting Matt Boyd to get at least incrementally better, but the but the leap is over. That's that's fair. Um, I want to go back though to that 500 question because well, when we talked about what is the point of you know putting together a 500 team, part of it is that you have access to Max Muncy, um, you have access to Justin Turner who just figured out his swing after years of being a mediocre, weak hitting infielder. Um, all those guys have options, you know, teams, it's not, nobody's that surprised anymore. Um, nobody keeps secrets as well as, as they used to, you know, when someone breaks out, when someone figures something out, those guys have options because they know they can't get a lot of money. They're going to want to go play for a good team. And this is the problem with being bad this long is that nobody wants to play here. You're not a draw in the first place because you're, you're in the North. And now you've added to it the fact that you're God awful and you're, you know, your former third baseman come left fielder is now you know demolishing you while absolutely fucking raking daily <laughs> for the chicago cubs um you know i mean it's not a des- destination and that's the problem with being bad for a long time is that you just become a backwater mm-hmm. you know it's not like you're just like oh they're not good but they're on the re you know the rebuild or the rebound you're just bad nobody wants to um, come here if they have any better options and that makes it hard to even sign a guy like sunny gray in the offseason or to stash a guy like Garrett Richards, which I think we all kind of like the idea of, you know, paying him, stashing him while he recovered from Tommy John, bringing him back, a guy with known, you know, ludicrous stuff who just kind of never put it together. You don't have those kind of, um, those plays aren't available to you when you're terrible and you're not a destination that people want to want to live. And there you go. That's a reason to start trying to get better and at least look like a place that isn't, you know, a minor league team that, you know, you're just stuck in this, this hole waiting for something that no one knows what it is to happen to yeah. uh, make the team better. It's like last offseason, people were saying, like, resign Ian Kinsler, bring DJ LeMayhew. It's like, <laughs> well, come on. Yeah, and not to mention, you. Even you Ian to... Kinsler had better options. Yeah. <laughs> but, but my point is, who wants to. We have a call. Who really wants to come here? Hello, caller. Hello. You're on. Hello. Hello? Hi, how you doing? I'm doing good. I just uh, read on your Twitter account that you, I should call you up if I want to talk baseball seriously. Yes. Who is this? Well, my name is George Dunneback. I'm sure you don't know me. All right. What's up, George? A, I'm a lifelong Detroit Tiger fan. All right. Hi, George. I live, I live in New Hampshire. Nice. I've been following the minor leagues uh, ever since uh, for about 30 years now. So uh, who do you, who do you like in the minors? Well, I wanted I called because I want to talk about one guy in particular. Okay. Robbie Wellhalf. Oh, uh, West uh, Michigan starting pitcher. Yeah, had absolutely. a really great outing the other day. Yeah, absolutely. Robbie Wellhalf. Robbie Wellhalf is. Um, I love I love under the radar guys. And he was he's a UDFA, an undrafted free agent. And these, these guys just kick around in the Gulf Coast League until they get released. Occasionally, some of them make it up to the mid-minors, and then they get released. But because West Michigan lost all their starting pitchers, by the way, they lost their last, the only starting pitcher that West Michigan hadn't lost to the DL um, was um, Wilkel Hernandez. Yep. Well, they lost him today. <laughs> He went on the DL. Lovely. So another guy down. All right. So that's nine starting nine 
starting pitchers they have on the DL. Is that a concern for you guys? Anyway. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Anyway, because of that, well half this uh, UDFA, who nobody's paying attention to, he gets called up to fill in one of the gaps, and he has been lights out all season long. Yes, sir. Uh, appreciate the call. Thanks very much. And we actually tweeted about Robbie Wellhaf a couple days ago. at. Uh, oh, you Tiger, did? Yeah, at Tiger's ML Report on Twitter. We tweeted about him because he's had a pretty remarkable run at West Michigan over his last four starts. Uh, 26 innings pitch, 0.69 ERA, 0.50 whip, 21 strikeouts to three walks for West Michigan. He's been a horse for them. The thing we need to keep in mind with a guy like Robbie Wellhaf is that he's 24 years old in the Midwest League, and so he's playing against guys who are much younger than him. And so sometimes oh, yeah. we, we get excited about that. Uh, the statistics, uh, those are a little bit inflated because of the age difference and the level of competition. Um, and as they move up, uh, they sometimes will run into challenges if, if they don't have premium stuff. Now, I've not had a chance to see Robbie Well have pitch in person myself, um, but he's definitely been a horse there for West Michigan and Lance Parrish. His, he, he's been a starter for the whole season for them, and he, his, he, his whip on, on the whole season is 0.83. Yeah, he's throwing a ton of strikes. You know, he's not, not walking people, getting some yep. help. He's got nine walks on the season. Yeah, he's he's been better than the the two flyers that they took on in Corey uh, Bihana and uh, the Michael uh, Bielan, who were just came over from. Yeah, well, they're both relief. They're both relief pitchers. Right. No, but I'm just saying, in terms of taking flyers on guys like that, he's turned out to be the best so far. Yeah, I think. Uh, no, he's the the only reason I call this because I love it when when someone who's totally uh, well, the UDFA's are my favorite. The undrafted free agents. Right. No, nobody expects anything out of them. Absolutely. Those, and for, those are my guys, too. I, yeah. And I, I think another guy who's done that in the Tiger system has been Garrett Hill. He was a late-round draft pick out of San Diego oh, yeah. State that nobody expected. He wasn't a UDFA, but he's been, yeah, he's been terrific. Yeah, yeah. And he's, he's been all the way up to Lakeland. He's had a lot of success in Lakeland. Um, but he, he's, a, he's an older – they're older pitchers who have a little bit yep. more advanced command. Um, yep. they, they can spin the ball a little bit and they're facing hitters who are a little bit less experienced. As they move up in the minors, they start to see more experienced hitters, and they, they, if they don't have really premium stuff, um, they, that tends to, to be the yeah. sort of the breaking point yeah. for them. But, it, but it's always good to find guys that can throw strikes like that and, and pitch in the organization and eat innings up for you in the low and mid-levels. Yeah. And, and mid no, I, I I love him, but I uh, you never heard me say he was a prospect. No, no, absolutely not. No, I, hey, I love those guys too. I, uh, following the minor leagues is a lot of fun. It's good to see those guys have success and 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 make a living at playing professional baseball. Right. So. Oh, well, they can't make a living. Well, that's another conversation. <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah, but they can't make a living. They don't make enough money. Yep. This is anyway. Exactly true. <laughs> but uh, hey. Really appreciate the call. Yeah, thank you so much. Enjoy the Lake Monsters. Okay. okay. See ya. Fisher Cats, New Hampshire Fisher Cats. Yeah, that's right? Fisher Cats. Yeah, he's from New Hampshire. So oh, I thought he was from Vermont. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Same thing. 
Yeah. He doesn't think so, though. No, that's fine. <laughs> hey, hey, I, he love, I love getting a phone call about Robbie Wellhaff, let me tell you. Yeah. Chris, Chris <laughs> Brown. so up my alley. Chris Brown was, uh, had some comments on their Twitter chat there. <laughs> All right, so it's time for the inside of numbers. We're going to breeze through our segments here real quick, and uh, I'll start it off the inside of numbers. So my numbers are 35, 48, 69, nice, and nice. 63. And those are the run differentials between the Tigers and the Indians' last four seasons. 61, well, 63 is the current number. The Tigers in the 2010s have actually owned Cleveland. Six seasons of 500 or better against them. After in the year in the t- 2000s, only posted three winning seasons against the Tribe. So what's interesting is that more, even more in the 2000s, in those three winning seasons, they only had a high differential twice. And that one, the, the one season they were 13 and six against the Indians. They the Indians actually had a better run differential than them by one run. So we went 13 and six against the team and had a lower run differential. Yeah, they, the Indians scored 79 runs. The Tigers scored 78 that year. And 13, awesome. yeah, yeah. So. The reason why I wanted to point that out is because the Indians have been spanking the Tigers, and now this year is a, it, it's close to possibly a seven, 70 run differential because they still play the Indians in September. So that's my inside the number. Anybody else have an inside the number they want to throw out there? I have a couple. All right, sure. Uh, I am going to share this one with absentee podcaster Chris Brown this evening, but. I had an idea. We collaborated on uh, the research, which collaborating means I asked Chris to look some stuff up. (laughs) And it had begun to concern me that, you know, part of being a good hitter in the major leagues, and I think all of us can verify this, is trying to work a count to get ahead in the count. I think there's data ad infinitum about how much your batting average goes up when you're ahead in the count. So I said, Chris, you know, it just seems like the Tigers, you know, when I watch Lugo and Reyes, they, they, they get the 3-0, and and then and Ronnie Rodriguez, and I love me some swag ride, but he's only good 14% of the time. That's what they're <laughs> and, and Brandon. Uh, they're never selective when they're ahead in the count about what pitch to hit. And so I asked Chris to do a little research. So here's what he came back to me with. Tiger hitters have gotten to a 3 0 count 182 times this year. That's tied for 28 with the Royals and just ahead of the Marlins and the Orioles. Big shocker there, right, gentlemen? Yeah. The league average would be 224 times. And the Brewers lead all of baseball. They have reached a 3 0 count 290 times. Wow. They are the Tigers are dead last in getting to a three-one count this year. They have 316 three-one counts. The next closest team above them, the 29th ranked team, is Colorado at 339. The league average is 430. So the Tigers are 114 advanced below league average at getting to a 3-1 count. Wow. The Angels are the best in baseball, and they have 515 3-1 counts. Followed by, big shocker here, the Yankees, Houston, and the Dodgers. Okay? 
couple other facts about this. Baseball, all of baseball hits, their slash line when they get to 3-0 is 392. Nine, uh, 392, 437, 799. On 3-0 counts, oh, is 367, 713, 712 on 3-1 counts. And all of baseball hits, uh, 280, 735, 528 after a 3-0 count. Hmm. At least this is what Chris has provided to us. The Tigers as a team have hit... Oh, you know what, Tiger? All right, this dad is a little windy. The, the, after a 3 0, let's see. The Tigers have hit 197 with a, with a 687 slugging percentage after a 3 0 count, and 216, 363 on base, and a 525 OPS total after a 3 1. So the bottom line is, even when they get ahead, they have mi failed miserably at doing something. I have one more little fast stat for you. I tweeted this today, if anyone wants to check my feed. This is it uh, M. Gorash at Sports 5176. I did a little checking. Everybody knows Mark Gorash mandates. You cannot play in the major leagues unless you walk. And, or you can't be good. You can play. You just aren't going to be very good. 8% eight walk rate or better, folks, well, in the minors. I minimum. Say, I would actually say 7. I'll say 8 in the okay. minors. Brandon is in this camp. So I did a little homework today. And I used a threshold of 150 at-bats so we could include all the miscellaneous Tiger call-up and demotions over the course of the season. There were 375 players that had had 150 plate appearances this year. Uh, in the bottom 65, the Tigers had six. In the bottom five, they had two. Harold Castro has the third worst walk percentage in baseball at 2.3%. And I, I, I lie to you not. I could put this mic stand in the batter's box and it would walk more than 2.3 <laughs> percent. Okay, I'm not lying. 2.3 percent. Fifth, with the fifth least walks, is the perennial caller. I've tweaked his swing again. Dawel Lugo has the fifth fewest, the fifth lowest walk percentage in baseball. So. Yes, be excited that Dowell Lugo is eight for his last 22, but also be excited that his OPS is under 600. It will always be under 600. His on-base percentage will always be under 280, and we're just wasting time messing around, not playing Heimer Candelario at third base, Jamer Candelario. Baseball player. Baseball player. Because we need to find out if Jamer Candelario can play third base. Let's be really honest about it. We need to find out if he can play. It's only had one month that he hit over 250 in the last eight months of full-time play in the major leagues. As much as I love him, as much as we all love him, he, he, he is not hitting well. And we need to find out if maybe he's not good. 
Anyways, that's my behind-the-numbers. Uh, yeah. I, I want to have... expand upon this conversation a little bit more since we're all together. First of all, George, tone it down a little bit, would you? You're taking this over. <laughs> <laughs> we have George hostage here. I'm just Yeah. I will try to shut up for a little bit. No. Um, that, that's Those are some fascinating statistics about how inept the Tigers are even when they get ahead a in the count, first of all. But... Small sample size. Yeah, and sometimes season. Small sample size. Yeah, I I want to talk a little bit more about why we value walk rate so much, and it's not getting on first base that we value so much. And Roger and I saw this firsthand today with Dawell Lugo and, oh, and some other guys. Um, Dawell Lugo has exceptional bat-to-ball skills. That's what's got him to the major leagues. He can put the bat on the baseball. The problem is he's swinging at the wrong pitch. He'll swing at anything and get his bat on. And what that results in is a lot of weak contact against major league pitchers who know what they're doing. 52% ground ball rate. So, And his mechanics uh, honestly kind of suck. I mean, he has that natural hand-eye coordination, and that's kind of it. The mechanics are terrible as well. Sure. I guess my point is what really good hitters do is spoil good pitches because major league pitchers don't make a ton of mistakes. So you have to spoil good pitches and take first base when you get an opportunity, or you spoil enough good pitches they eventually make a mistake and you do damage. That's why we're valuing walk rate, right? I mean, do you want to expand upon that, Brandon, a little bit? Yeah, I mean, especially in the minor leagues. I mean, anybody who's watched, you know, minor league baseball knows that if you go to West Michigan, um, you know, if you're in Lakeland, you see the pitchers there. I mean, the control isn't, isn't there a lot of the time. You know, you'll see pitchers every game who have no idea where it's going. Um, if, you, if, you don't, if you can't take walks at that level, if you don't have enough you know, bat speed to be patient. If you don't have the eye to, you know, see the ball out of the, the pitcher's hand and, and at least have some idea of what you're doing, at least against fastballs, you know, it's just really, really hard to project you doing anything, you know, further on in your career. Um, we've all kind of taken this deep dive and looked at, you know, what which major league hitters, you know, what was their walk rate when they were, you know, triple A, double A. And there are very few of them whose walk rate was below, you know, 8%. You know, it's like the only guys who've kind of worked out um, it's like Brandon Lowe, you know, Joey Wentz, a couple guys with the with the Rays. Um, you know, you look at even Avisail Garcia, I think, in the minor leagues had a better walk rate than 8%. It's really Javi Baez. I mean, Javi Baez is kind of the, um, the unicorn. Yeah, who is just a, you know, just an ungodly specimen of humanity who, you know, plays ludicrous defense, hits for tons of power, kind of does still swing at everything and can be exploited, I still think, by better pitchers. But, you know, he's kind of the, the exception that proves the rule. If you look in the minor leagues and if you can't, you know, take walks, if you can't select pitches against, you know, college pitchers who just got there, you know, whoever, you know, whoever just came up from rookie ball, if you're looking at those guys and you can't see what's coming out of their hand and, and at least have a rough idea what you're doing, you are a very long way from being able to, to deal with the likes of a Justin Verlander or a Jacob deGrom. Um, you know, it, that's just what it comes down to. So it's not about the fact that we want you to walk or that batting average is stupid. It's that it's, it's a measure in the minor leagues, particularly of your ability to see pitches, select the good pitches to swing at, um, because in the long run, that's going to be what determines whether or not you can do damage or not. And we all know that you have to do damage now. Um, if you don't hit 20 home runs in the major leagues at this point, 
you better be a freak defender because there's almost no place for you at this point with the ball flying the way it is and being able to draw walks and select pitches is all just a part of, of recognizing the path that a minor leaguer has to take to get to that point in the major league someday. So that's why we obsess about it um, way more than we would batting average or you know how many doubles you hit in Lakeland where you know the field is uneven, the defenders are uneven, the pitchers are uneven. You know, draw walks, hit for power, and then we'll see what you do when you get to Toledo and beyond. And I want to add an asterisk to that real quick because I've learned a lot talking to our guy James Chipman and Jason yeah. Waddell lately because uh, Chris and I follow the DSL a lot and the GCL a lot, and we've, we've been kind of married to walk rates and strikeout rates down there because we don't have a lot of footage. So that's how we've been evaluating hitters down there. Uh, but after talking to Chipman and, and Waddell a lot lately, uh, Chipman's comment is not all walks are created equally because the GCL is not a great brand of baseball. Pitchers don't know where the ball is going at that level. And the DCL is even a step down from that. So evaluating guys based on walk rates at the lowest levels of the minors isn't necessarily telling you anything about their aptitude. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. But when you have guys like Victor Reyes, Harold Castro, Dalwell Lugo, who have been professional baseball players since they were 16 and they're now 24, so seven, eight years of professional baseball, and you know, there's a trend there, then we can say these aren't patient hitters, these aren't selective hitters, these aren't people who are waiting for pitches that they can do damage with. And you're seeing it materialize at the highest level right now in, in Detroit. It's frustrating. Yeah, and in, in Lugo today, too, that at bat where he just literally, what, the second, third pitch, just lounging at it, he had a favorable count. It's like 2-1 count, and those half swings and... Even with uh, Ronnie Rodriguez, they're all taking quick at-bats. I mean, what, Clevenger was three yeah. to four pitches over the minimum through four or five innings. And... I mean, it's Mike Clevenger. I, well, I, yeah, get, I get it, it yeah. But, but if you watch enough baseball with these guys, that's what you see. They're, they're, they're just hyper, hyper aggressive. As much as we rag them on the Yankees and the Red Sox with their approach at the plate and how long the game takes, sometimes I, I, I miss that over anything else. But uh, real quick, the good, bad, and ugly this week. And I'm not sure if you guys give any numbers or whoa, what was that? Ooh, Brandon, feedback. <laughs> feedback. All right, headphones too close to the mic. Um, I, I was just gonna say, the go ahead. Coach is not gonna change what their history is. They, they, right. Like, everybody blames the hitting coaches for like, why are these guys being you know, improving? But the history shows, right? Right. Oh, that's a good point, George. I mean, yeah. everybody wants to come on. Lloyd McClellan, but McClellan, McClellan is not going to fix something overnight at all. So, Well, and I'm glad that Keenan brought all that up because, you know, we tell people all the time, don't scout the, the stat line. But at a certain level, like in those certain basic indicators, it's, it's good to know what they are at least um, because they will tell you real quickly who is, who is a complete, you know, just this guy has no chance. Um, you know, you, you can eliminate a, a lot of people and it helps you kind of focus on, you know, yeah, on the guys who are worth Worth keeping an eye on. I mean, Keenan and I discuss this on our podcast all the time. We use the infamous catchphrase, process and profile. And profile's everything. I mean, you know, it's your approach at the plate, your ability to recognize spin out of the hand. I mean, they actually are now 
adding a lot of technology to helping teams determine who has aptitude to do these things, but still, it, it has to be part of your your style of hitting. You you have to be willing to walk. You 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 can't constantly hit the pitcher's pitch. But more importantly, a front office, as we see with many, many good teams, has to have the capacity to recognize the profile and the skill set of players and not keep adding players that lack those skills to their system. Keep trading for them. It's not a mystery that the Detroit Baseball Tigers have more players that do not walk than any team in the major leagues and throughout their farm system. It, 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 it was done <laughs> with, with intent, not by accident. Well, and here's the thing. You still hear them talk endlessly, and I swear to God, the entire organization is obsessed with beating the shift um, and batting average. This is the kind of thing that I hear. I still hear a lot from Lloyd McClendon. I still hear a lot from the front office. They're, you know, they're focused on that kind of thing more than anything on getting hits. And um, you know, anybody watching any other team knows that you know it, it's all about getting on base and smashing the baseball. Those are the two things. That, and you don't hear the Tigers talk about either, either one of them. I, like I don't know if I've ever heard of an like in-depth conversation about plate discipline. About <laughs> what do you think the Twins said about the shift? Fuck that shift. I don't yeah. care. <laughs> Just hit it over it, bitch. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Major League record All right. for homers. So, so we've, we've spent a lot of time talking about the deficiencies in the system. At some point, I'm not. I'm not done with the deficiencies. No. <laughs> we could do this all night, yeah. right? I, I did want to talk about. I mean, I just real quick wanted to mention that you know you guys have made a, a ton of great points about how you have to identify players who even have the capacity to improve. But then when you look at who is actually improving hitters, um, you know they're doing. There are people doing unique things. There's people who are, you know, the Houston Astros are cutting way down on batting practice and having guys, you know, swing at 70 mile per hour fastballs because they've got an idea, at least generally, that you should you should play at game speed all the time. Um, you should it'd be better for you to be in the cage, you know, swinging at 95 and swinging at you know breaking balls out of the machine than it is, you know, to just kind of warm up on the field and put up you know put up a show for fans. Um, the one thing that you know physically that you can train, and I keep bringing this up because this is the only place if you don't have good you know pitch recognition. If you don't have the eye to see what's coming out of the pitcher's hand, you know, the brain to think along with them, the only thing you can do is increase your bat speed. And that's another thing that I keep seeing the Astros talk about, increasing bat speed. And when we talk about bat speed, that's not about, like, your maximum speed of the bat through the hitting zone. It's about acceleration. It's about how quick can you go from 0 to 60 and give yourself more time to see what's coming out of the pitcher's hand. Because besides your natural gifts and whatever can be done, to improve them and, and refine them and hone them, um, you know, the only thing you can do is get to the ball faster with your best swing. And um, and it seems like, you know, some teams at least are recognizing that and training for it. Um, whereas, you know, I saw that the West Michigan Whitecaps all had blast motion sensors in their in their bat knobs and was, yeah, like was so almost, about that, almost yeah. in tears with joy. You know, I want to address <laughs> Maybe something. we're getting there. I, I, I constantly criticize the Tigers for their – best backwoods thought process towards a lot of things. I have said that I think that 
analytically, I think they're far more advanced now than they have been in quite some time. My question was, how much application at the big league level were they actually doing? I do think, though, at the minor league level, they're doing a lot of things that are more progressive than they may actually be doing at the big league level. And it was ironic, and I hate to, uh, and I will plug, uh, he has plugged us many times, but if you listen to uh, Danny Hasey's Road to Detroit, his most recent pod, Dan talks uh, with, uh, I forget what, what pitcher did he just talk with uh, a pitcher? Oh, uh, Paul Paul Richin. Yeah, he Paul, yeah. Yeah, he Paul, Paul Richin today, and he's he up. talked about how Jorge Cordova, is the man was using quite a bit of data to prepare him for starts, and they they were actually comparing how thorough uh, the usage of data and the preparation was compared to how it was in the Cubs system. They use a lot of the same data, but the Tigers' preparation and insistence on using it uh, actually was more substantial than the Cubs. And I was gratified to hear that. Right. And, now, it, and I think they get kind rid of, of their 75-year-old pitching coach yeah. and their 900-year-old <laughs> manager who wants to bunt. Yeah. Uh, and maybe at the big league level, we could see some progress. Well, and just just to mention it, I mean, I think we've all seen an improvement in you know the way they the way they're working with pitchers, um, and it's it's with hitters that you know we still just don't see much happening in player development that it has produced any tangible results so that's where to keep watching um i mean i'm pretty happy with the way they handled matt manning um i think they did a nice job bringing Tarek scoobal along last year kind of using him in relief keeping his innings down they've done the same thing this year he's a tommy john guy who's only a couple years on from that you know they've done they've done some smart things look at all yeah, they've done some smart things on the hitting or on the pitching side. Hello, um, it's just waiting for the hitters. Hello. Hello, this is Robert. Yeah. Uh, who, who is this? This is Robert James. I'd like. Is, can we talk baseball? Oh, Robert James. There we go. You have a seven three four area code. Wow. Oh, not this guy. Oh God. <laughs> what's up, Robert? Yeah, what's going hey, on, Robert? <laughs> How's it going? Good. We're, I was trying to get a hold of you to see if you wanted to come on. I inboxed you on Twitter and all that, and I get, get in hold of you. Can you have your Sorry, yeah, I've been out. Manager? I've been out tonight. Oh, okay, no worries. Hey, Robert, we're not answering yeah. any questions unless your wife sings to us in Mandarin. <laughs> <laughs> Robert, are you calling to talk about the junkyard dog? <laughs> no, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I have some hot body diamond takes, so I want to spit out. All right, go for it. And I got some. I have some uh, stuff I want to say about the fabulous Rujo brothers. Uh, so. Do, do you do you legitimately have something you want to talk about, or can I throw a question at you? Yeah, yeah, let's talk. Yeah, no, you throw a question at me. All let's right, do it. So w- we've been trashing the system for a while here. The entire organization. Oh no! Really. No, I mean, <laughs> no, I, no. Not. We didn't design it that way. That's just how our conversation went. I did. I know. I know. Um, I mean, we've been trashing it, but fairly, I think. Yeah, we've been assessing. Yeah. yeah. But nobody watches it as, as much as Robert does, so maybe Robert would know better. Exactly. And, and we talked about this on the 616 recap last week, but I, I'm falling in love with a prospect named Bryant Packard. And Me too, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know, yeah, he, I know he's your dude, so 
and and what he does well fits in very well to the conversation we've had about selectiveness and looking for pitches you can drive. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you've seen from Packard? Yeah, yeah, you you nailed it right there. So he's a great hitter. Um, you know, I've heard from people. So when the draft happened, the Tigers took a bunch of bats. They took green. And the early scuttlebutt from people like, uh, you know, Harris Frommer, who's, who's a great baseball dude, and um, I think Sikowski put some stuff out there, was like, yeah, they got some good bats and stuff. And I think really, now that I'm watching some of these guys play, that was really driven by Green and Packard, I think. Um, and when I talked to Harris, Packard was the guy he really focused on. He says that he had, you know, he was taken in the fifth round. His bat certainly graded higher. I mean, the bat is like a first two rounds type of bat. I, if you compare him to Ray Rivera, who obviously did not have like a second round ranking, who the Tigers took in the second round, you know, it's night and day. Um, Packard, as you said, he's super selective, which is just so huge. And uh, because, and I think people, again, we talked about it on the 616, and I think people don't realize what a big deal it is because now with baseball, the way hitters are, you just really need to have this idea of, you know, hitting the ball to do damage, right? right. Like, I'm not going to swing unless I'm going to drive the ball. And we talk about it endlessly and why we're not high on guys like Carol Castro or Victor Reyes or Lugo is because they don't do that because they swing at so many pitchers' pitches that it's just not possible to make good contact on a slider a foot off the plate outside. Packard does not do that. Packard is not going to swing at something unless – he, you know, it's in a, it's a pitch he can handle, right? He goes up there with a plan. I mean, that's such a big thing, and it's so obvious just watching him that he knows what he's doing. He knows, he goes up there, he, he knows what pitches he wants to hit and what count and where they're going to be in the zone. So just that right off the bat, he's in a better spot than other people who are just kind of, um, you know, don't have a plan, let's say. And, um, so, yeah, so that's great. He, he's going to hit for average. He's going to draw walks, and he has a little bit of pop. He's kind of already in his bad body. He's like 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, he hasn't been crushing a ton of home runs, but I think he could certainly hit 20. I don't think that's out of the question. All right, so can you name – Excuse me. Oh, go ahead. So, I don't – the bat speed isn't like crazy bat speed. Um, so <laughs> – but he looks certainly strong enough, and he makes good contact. Robert, so, Robert, I mean, it's not a – got to interrupt you. I, mean, I don't know. Brandon's yeah. working on his pitching mechanics in the driveway as we speak. Um, <laughs> he's, he's demonstrating <laughs> fantastic extension. Um, I, what, Brandon, what are you doing? <laughs> Raj, all right. So, real quick, Robert, real quick, I'm going to pass it over to Raj. Can you name two other players in our system who have a similar approach to Bryant Packard? Uh, McMillan? I don't, I don't, I think there are guys with solid approaches. I think Daz has a solid approach. Okay. I don't think there are guys who go up like he does. Yeah. I don't think there are guys who, who hit like he does and aren't that disciplined. Yeah. I At least I haven't seen them. I mean, there are guys who will take walks. Maybe Paredes. I would you say, know, maybe yeah. Paredes. I was say Paredes. Paredes is kind of more of a free swinger, though. He His strikeouts are way down. He walks almost as much as he strikes out. But he has really fantastic bat-to-ball skills. Um, 
and so he'll just spoil a lot of pitches. Packard, I think, goes up with more of maybe a plan than Paredes does. So, no, I can't really think of someone that really strikes me as disappointed as him. But there are other guys with, I think, decent approaches, but not as good as him, no. What what I liked about Packard when I was at West Michigan was is his confidence. And you're right, he comes up with a plan. And and even when he was talking to Chris and I, the biggest thing he took away was talk about the influence that East Carolina had on him and, and just his whole entire approach at the plate. And he showed to me, for a guy his size, some impressive speed. I mean, nothing, you know, like just like, like, for example, like Riley Green. But I thought Packard overall for a fifth round draft pick, and Robert, you know this better than anybody else, too. The Tigers have not fared well getting a mid round draft pick in, the, in terms of just an overall position player in, in quite some time. Yeah, yeah, no. It was, you know, the Tigers, the last two years, they've taken more, more bats. But even when they have taken bats, there's not a lot of guys who really profile as big league players or, I guess, as starters, you'd say. Um, and even guys like they took, you know, like last year they took bats and people were happy, but the guys they took were more project-type guys, and they're not playing well. I mean, they're projects, so, you know, take that into account, right? No one expected uh, Kingston Liniac to come out crushing the ball and being sent up to double A. He was dropping out of high school. But those guys have had bad years, you know. Um, and even this year, when you see Quintana and Lip- Lipsius, P- Packer just looks a lot better. Um, yeah, yeah, he was a great find. You know, it was a great, a great draft pick. I have no idea why he fell. It looks like he's going to have to play first base. Um, maybe that's part of the reason, because the, the bar is so high for a bat to profile there. And maybe they thought, since he doesn't have like that crazy good bat speed, that he wouldn't hit 30 home runs. And maybe that's why, you know, he was kind of a tweener. Um, they're playing him in left field now. It looks like he'll have to move to first just because he's not, you know, he doesn't move real great in the outfield. But he can actually play first base. It's not like, oh, move Kristen Stewart to first, even though he's 5'10". Like, Packard can play first. So so maybe that's why. But, yeah, he looks fantastic. What do you, what do you think of uh, Cooper Johnson so far? I haven't seen him that many times. What do I think of who? Uh, sorry, Cooper Johnson, catcher. Yeah, yeah. You know, he looks like he's solid. You know, like it's a solid backup catcher profile, right? Yep. Um, I ha- I haven't seen him as much lately, so he got a lot of playing time when uh, Nick Millen went on the de- went on the injured list. Uh, McMillan came back. There's a guy with some play. You know, Mc- Sam McMillan. <laughs> yeah, Sam McMillan. He's the priority prospect. I think that they are going to try to. You know, he's a higher priority than Johnson. But Johnson played so well that Chris Proctor was, I think, moved up because, you know, Proctor had outplayed McMillan and was basically splitting time with him 50-50. And then Cooper Johnson came up and outplayed Proctor. His numbers have slowed way down. He came out and he had hit kind of well. Um, but, yeah, it's a backup catcher profile. That the Tigers have a bunch of really good receivers in the minors, up and down the minors, which is good to take care of the pitching prospects. Um you know, I don't know if the bat will play, but yeah, I mean, he looks fine behind the plate. Yeah, his mechanics, when we saw him in West Michigan, he had that home run, but his, yeah. it just seemed like his swing, I don't want to say it's too long, but it just seemed there was, um, his footwork in the box a little bit was, I, I thought was off a little bit, but I mean. Is yeah, he's of, super spread out, which I don't, I'm not a swing tank expert, but that's something, Yeah, it looks like he's not generating a ton of power, right? He kind of just looks too spread out where he's not 
he's just not. I'm trying to articulate this as best I can. Yeah, I, it I'm, doesn't I'm, look I'm, like uh, he's generating enough power. Yeah, I, yeah, what you mean? Point. You mean yeah? He has a gun though. We saw him gun down that. He's got a pretty good defense, uh, or even uh, commanding the pitching staff a little bit. What were you gonna say, Brandon? Well, yeah, and, and in the end, you, I mean, you're totally right. It's just about you know having backup catchers for the most part in the, in the minor leagues with those guys. Um, it you know it all comes down to, you know, I mean, if we if we just kind of break it down, and what do the Tigers need? What would make you feel better about the system? I think the the consistent answer is going to be two damn good middle infield prospects, right? I mean, that's 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 what it comes down to. If the Tigers had, you know, Carter Keyboom and I don't know Vidal Bruhan, some you know something along those lines, we'd all be like, shit, we're in business. Um, but it's but that's that's where the lack is and where we don't see a whole lot m- much coming. I'm afraid. This is Brandon, by the way. Good right. to talk to you, Robert. But do you feel? I feel like the the issue. I mean, really, you think. Packers having success because he's a polished guy. Like, for me, I'm not an expert on mechanics. I'm not an expert on development. But you just don't see guys getting better. Like, I'll watch guys in the Midwest League on other teams, like Josiah Gray, who was a Reds yeah. prospect, who I thought was pretty mad. He was traded to the Dodgers, and this year he's taken a leap forward. So, hey, he was drafted out of high school. Obviously, he was going to change, right? And his stuff was going to improve. That's why he was taken so high. I think he was either a comp or a second-round pick. So it's not just like, oh, they did it magically or something. But by the same token, I just kind of don't see that a lot in the organization. And that's what concerns me is I just am wondering if they're getting the most out of these guys, you know? So. Yeah, it does keep happening over and over again. Well, yeah, and but Robert, I mean, we could probably go for another half hour. I know that we could probably definitely go on, but uh, we appreciate the time. And um, yep. hope, again, hopefully, we'll give you. Uh, I, you know what? I mean, at some point, in the next probably the next month or so, we'll have you on Tigers and have you on for the full segment and talk a little bit of shop. But we really definitely appreciate the insight. And as always, you can follow Robert James at Confusion underscore Rain. Great follow. And honestly, if, if you're if, if you if you're in for the the best backup or back audio I've ever heard during a podcast, where he's he's conducting a sympathy of or symphony of just random noises, Robert James does a great job on the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, man. No, no, thanks, guys. Have a great night. Are right, you too? All right, Robert, so Robert right. James also probably what listens to more or watches more minor league ball than all the all of us here combined. Yeah, and we do have a question, by the way. We did get a question from Paul Sebastian. And he had a question in regards to what Rule 5 player or what players were going to keep in the Rule 5. And here's, yeah, here's the exact question. If you could take a what, – what, what do you see the Tigers doing about Rule 5 protection? Which eligible players get protected? I mean, they better protect Anthony Castor. I'm going to punch faces. Yeah. Um, you probably ought to protect Derek Hill, too, just because – Somebody might be willing to give him a shot the way the Tigers gave to Victor Reyes. I mean, if, if I had the choice between the two of them, I think I would still take Derek Hill. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's those two guys, apart from, you know, the more obvious guys who are who are just, you know, relatively close. Um, I think Bo Burrows might need to be protected this year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean, you gotta protect, you got to protect the arms that are – that are relatively close that could be converted to relief and, and possibly used. And I mean, if you look at the Forty Man roster, I can you know I can set a giant forest fire and burn half of it down, and you, none of you will all notice. <laughs> you know, no one will care at all. Now I want to ask a question now. Sure. Because we discussed this amongst ourselves, I think Sip will find this 
data very interesting. Drew Verhagen, great August. People are excited about him. As much as I love Dan Dickerson, he uh, he was singing praises today, let me tell you, about Drew Verhagen. Maybe they found something, they tweaked his pitch mix. and So I think I tweeted something out about my close personal friend, Drew Verhagen, 5.0 because I call him Drew Verhagen 5.0, because this is the fifth time we've been here with Drew Verhagen. And my answer is, my... my, my I, thought, I thought it was because uh, that's his career uh, ERA. It, it, <laughs> they, no, are, he, he, it is his career ERA. That is a very astute answer there. But what I will share with you is the three greatest months in the Drew Verhagen era of Tiger prospectness have all occurred in August over the last five years. Three, his, three of his four best months, it was a, a small September blip also. If, you, if, if those three months he has an ERA of 260 collectively, in the other months that Drew Verhagen has ever pitched for the Detroit Tigers over the last five years, his collective ERA in all the other months is 6.09. So what I want to share with you is why you're seduced by Drew Verhagen throwing well in August. I'll tell you this right now. His eyes are beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> He's beautiful a handsome man. Eyes. I mean, like, no, just seriously, let's Tracy Morgan no. that's what he said. No. Mm -mm. No. 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 Hell no. No! No! I refuse. No! I use that gif. Yeah, that, that's a great gif. Oh, by the way, it is. It has actually been an honor to sit next to. One of the greatest gif kings of gif kings of all kind. A gif legend. Yeah. In George Sipple. Yeah. I miss Miss Sips gifs more than any any part of Tiger. George, Be tell tell me a story, George. <laughs> Because here's the thing. I only joined Twitter in February, March 2018. I joined Twitter. So your final year of even being around on he the was circuit. He mailing it in by then. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know anything about you. Tell me something. Tell, what, what's, the, what's the coolest thing that ever happened to you covering the Tigers? What's your favorite story, your favorite memory of all those years on the beat? Well, I mean, I got to cover the World Series and, you know, all that stuff. How about, how about the Maglio playoff run, home run in 2012? And uh, no, I didn't do that. I didn't do that then. But uh, I covered a no-hitter. Uh, you know, actually, it was probably just because I am I was born and raised in southwest Detroit. It was probably talking to people like Gibby and Trammell and, you know, the guys that were you know, the 84 guys. Let me, let me set you up the music for you. Some uh, story time music. Um, oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, you know, Petrie and Brookings and, and uh, Parrish. Uh, you know, guys like that. Um, that's probably the coolest part of the beat. Um, I can tell you horror stories about the other part of the beat. It's just, you know, the arguments and the... 
getting MF'd by players for stories that you wrote that were truthful, but they just didn't like it because you know, they don't want to hear the negativity. Mm-hmm. And that's just part of the beat. Did you have a good relationship with Brad Osmus? I had an interesting relationship with Brad. He used to uh, refer to me as Glass Hat Anthony. <laughs> you know, and that was fine. I mean, I, I had a good relationship with him in the, in the sense that we would go back and forth about it. And he gave my polls. You didn't have to have that poll day about, you know, are they going to lose five in a row? You could have said, like, are they going to finally win a game, you know, but you had to go negative, you know, and then after they lost the game. And so after the game, he's like, you know, you put a poll in there tomorrow that says, you know, are they going to lose six in a row? Well, guess what? We have the day off. (laughs) (laughs) Brad, like, it still counts, Brad. Sorry. You should not be worrying about my It's just that classic media thing, like, stop worrying about the media, you know? If you take care of your job, the media will take care of you. Or shit. But he was great. He took a lot of, uh, he, he knew, he was very smart about knowing when his players were fragile and he was very good about, he would step in and take the hit. Uh, you know, those were the times where he would just go off on us and that became the story. Yeah. Because he knew by doing that, it would keep keep us away from the players because that that was like the story of the night it was like he just went off on a tirade right yeah. and so that that would be the story of the night but it, it kept us from going to talk to the players after who had who struggled you know I mean, he was very smart about that okay from you know from our perspective then you know we we often hear about like good clubhouse guys um you know th- that kind of thing like you know what morale what like good personalities mean as a beat writer you've been in the room you know, Jim Leland obviously in, in that in those kind of instances, you know, recognize that it's better for him to take the take the crap. How how important do you think personalities are? You know, it's that that intangible that we you know a lot of a lot of like people who are deep into saber metrics will be like, oh, you know, whatever. Okay, Tory Hunter, yeah, yeah, great leader, really friendly guy, but you know, whatever. You know, his OBP was 320. You know, all that kind of thing. Um, does does that does that give you any kind of inkling into how important how important that is. I mean, I know it's it's hard to put numbers on that kind of thing, but I mean, it's tough because you know, look at look at Manuel Tavares. He's a perfect example, but he's a triple crown guy, right? Yeah. But he's never been a leader mm-hmm. in the sense of the, the given speeches and hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll tell everybody, you know, kick everybody in the butt and say let's go. Like he's he's not that guy. He'll never be that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Can't fake being that guy if you're not that guy. You still want Miguel fucking Cabrera? Yeah, I'm at his prime. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But, it, but he was clearly not a leader. Um, I don't think Dustin Verlander was that kind of guy either. You know, great, 
I mean, he's tremendous, one of the greatest Tiger pitchers of all time. Right. It takes a certain. It's just a certain type of personality, isn't it? Like yeah. you don't necessarily have to be the best player on the field, but you have to be the guy who who feels feels the vibe. Rally, rallies the tro- rallies the troops, if you will, kind of thing. Yeah. So Tory, Tory Hunter was a leader in that clubhouse because he recognized that you know, Verlander, Cabrera, Victor Martinez didn't want to be that guy, and so he stepped up. Uh, I remember. I remember a game when. When um, I think he went like 0 for 4 or something, um, the Tigers lost. Everybody went to Tory Hunter, and one of the other players said, "You know, leave him alone. You know, he went. You know, he had a bad day. Why? Why do you guys, you guys go to him every single day? Now you're going to go to him because he, you know, he played terrible. You know." And Tory Hunter said, "Listen, they're coming to me because somebody has to talk after the game. I understand what they want." Almost just be sort of a focal point when you want to take the pressure off other people, right. really. Yeah, yeah. I think. God, I, think, I love I love Ian Kinsler, man. Yeah, I love Ian Kinsler I think, so much. Uh, I think Nick Castellanos, Nicholas Castellanos, and Shane Green tried really hard to be that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, don't, I just don't know if they were ready to be that. But they tried. I give them yeah. and, and, and at a certain point, it's a, it doesn't change what happens on the field one way or the other, right? It's more just yeah. about giving guys a little bit of a breather, keeping the, the pressure level a little lower. That, that's all it is. Yeah. yeah. I, I hate that, that Cabrera gets that much grief about not being a leader because we pay him the money. The, the highest paid player does not always necessarily have to be the leader. And I think that's such a dumb stereotype out there. I, he's, I, he's paid to hit. 320 and mash fucking taters and hit like I've never seen anybody yeah. hit in a Tigers uniform in my lifetime. That's, that's it. And the beat guys know, like, like, I never went into a locker room thinking, like, thinking, like, I gotta talk to Cabrera. If he was willing to talk, he was great. Most nights, he doesn't want to talk. Yeah. Um, and that's fine. Even if he had a good night, it's not about. You know what? The times when he would hit two home runs, I knew. Probably not even worth going talk to him about it, which is kind of weird because the fan expects to have that quote the next day to read some quote about him hitting two home runs. I'd rather go talk to a player, a, a teammate of his, to get the quote about him hitting the two home runs because I didn't care about that kind of stuff. Um, he was really about the. He wins. was more insightful when 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 somebody else was struggling or when somebody else was was doing well. And you could talk to him about that because, you know, J.D. Martinez used to talk about it all the time, about learning from him, you know. Um, and so that's when I thought Cabrera was more useful for a quote from me was talking about somebody else rather than himself. And, and there's lots of kinds of leadership. Like there's the leadership where it's Tory Hunter like, okay, you guys need to talk to somebody, I'll talk to you. And then there's the leadership of, of Miguel Cabrera in his prime at least where – well, I'm going to hit the hell out of the ball tonight. I'm going to talk to you guys. I'm going to keep things loose. We're going to play some music, have a good time. <laughs> like it, 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 it's hard to tell. Like what what 
what leadership works and what doesn't sometimes until you see it, you know, playing out. So. Then there's that other leadership of like the, the media really has no impact at all. Yeah. And, and so um, I would say most of the Tigers love Cabrera. Like they love being a teammate of his. So yeah. all that stuff about like us thinking that he's not a leader, that, that doesn't really matter to his teammates. Right. Yeah. So, he's a legend. He's you know, a yeah. God-tier hitter of all time. Yeah. I like the camaraderie he's had with like Harold Castro and the younger players because they definitely need that kind of presence in there because it's just you need another narrative with the team is this bad. Uh, we did get another question, too, um, that came from our buddy over in San Francisco over at Drunken Grass on Twitter, Matt Mansfield. And he's always great, great dude. He always asks some really good questions. And one of the questions he did ask was, of all the current Tiger minor league pitchers, which ones are the most likely to be used in trades for positional talent this organization that the, the problem, you know, they've been identifying? Because, second, again, second base, no depth. I mean, Cody Clemens, we talked about this earlier. Is he going to be ready for next year? I nope. don't doubt it. Nope. Nope. Absolutely not. Yeah. And no so, chance. you know. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of had the feeling just because of Matt Boyd and the Seattle ties that he might get traded for Kellenic, and even if it was like a straight up deal, I was kind of like, ah, yeah, okay, but that didn't happen. I mean, where are you, Jack Depoto? Were you asleep at the wheel that day? Come on, bro. <laughs> it's a one day off. He didn't make a trade, Brandon. That's a <laughs> yeah. But no, I. Do you guys have any suggestions? Well, I think the problem is, as Mark has chronicled very well over the past 24 to 36 hours, is that six of our top nine pitching prospects have been injured this year. Yeah. So makes them harder to deal. Well, and the other hard part is that if you are looking um, to fleece someone like you did in the old days, like Dave Dabrowski did a bunch of different times, it, it's harder. It's not only harder now, but – it's about, I mean, just to a certain degree, it's about it's about hype. You know, I mean, if, if you were going to trade a pitching prospect, it's not, well, I'm going to take trade Tarek Skubal for, you know, a, you know, some 45 future value infielder like Willie Castro, you know, and, and hope he works out. It's more, okay, I'm going to trade Casey Mize for a really good pitching prospect, and I'm going to think to myself, hey, fuck it, because Tarek, you know, Tarek Skubal and Matt Manning and – you know, whoever whoever else you like is going to fill the gap. You know, that's the problem. You have to trade, you know, the, the premier guy, the guy that uh, will make the fan base upset. Like, oh, what the fuck? You just traded Casey Mines. You know, he's supposed to be the future. That's the, that's the guy that you're more likely to trade um, if you're going to trade anybody. I was just going to ask you. But I don't think the Tigers are going to trade any of those guys, to be honest. You, you might as well hang on to all that. Like at the peak of, like, when you might want to trade him. I mean, yeah. I mean, he, he, he kind of is. So um. Yeah, you know, that's that's the problem. Like, could you get um, Alec Bloom from the Phillies because the Phillies need pitching? I and we, we talked be, about which – wait, yeah. wait, stop real quick. We, we talked about which pitcher is going to be up next year. And I'm going to say that Tarek Skubal is, is probably ahead of Matt Manning in that regard even because he's a college pitcher. He's older. Um, you know, he's he's the guy who's more – you're more likely to say, like, all right, we better deal this guy before something else happens, you know, happens, you know. He's a couple years on from Tommy John. Um, one of the reasons that some of us have, have really complained about the fact that they haven't kind of pushed Anthony Castro forward as a reliever is because he had Tommy John in, in 2015. And whenever you're dealing with a Tommy John surgery, you're, you know, you're looking at a seven to 10 year window before things go bad. There's a, there's a ticking time clock there that there isn't 
um, necessarily with other pitchers, even though anybody could go bad at any time. Yeah, I mean, you know, Tarek Skubal might be better right now as a trade chip if you can find a team that, you know, coming out next year is like, shit, you know, do we want a dominant left-hander who maybe can only go five innings a day? But, you know, we're in contention. This guy's about ready. His fastball command is, you know, average. Well, I mean, look at the major league average. Do you want to do that rather than, you know, wait around? Because we know the Tigers need four four or five, you know, well above average bats. Um, that You know, that's kind of a minimum requirement right now from where they're at. And, you know, if you could I think you the can't, card, you can't get a huge guy for Matt Boyd, you Cardinal. keep Matt Boyd, yeah. and then you trade one of those other guys, you know, for the bat that you need and extend Matt Boyd and let make him the leader and, you know, drag everybody in your driveline every offseason to play with the shoulder tube and the weighted balls and whatever else you got. So yeah, and keep it going. Instead of dragging every guy to driveline, why don't we just hire some people? Well, we did hire Chris Basio. He went down with the spider monkey. Tigers, I am. Uh, I am available. Just saying. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, like for the Card- I, I think the Cardinals would be a good trading partner because they look at the Alex Reyes is out again. They're kind of thin in pitching right now, but they have a glutton of outfielders and a couple of infielders right now. And I know the Tigers are quote unquote set in the outfield, and I say that with quotations and lightly, but. They could fetch a couple players from the Cardinals. The Cardinals definitely need pitching. I mean, they're they're doing this right now with smoke and mirrors leading the NL Central. It's impressive. Yeah. But uh, you know, Azuna is going to come back, and they have a couple players in Memphis right now. They're doing really well. So I, I say I think that'd be a good trade partner to have. Does everybody remember when I really wanted to trade for Christian Yelich yes. a couple years ago? Yeah. Okay. The same. No, I remember. <laughs> I, you know, I you know what I think about is um, the Colorado Rockies because you know they've got Ryan McMahon, um, they've got another decent middle infield prospect, and they've got Brennan Rodgers, but they keep failing with the pitching. Um, you know that that's a potential you know trade partner for the Tigers where. You know, can I can I trade for Trevor Story and and force them to bet on Brendan Rodgers, or can I get Brendan Rodgers? And you know, they already paid Nolan Arenado. You know, um, Charlie Blackman's not going to be this good forever, and that's an organization that, it, honestly, in my opinion, isn't very smart. You know, they've done a decent job drafting some position prospects, but um, you know, if you look at the way they've spent on free agents the past four or five years, they've been god awful. I mean, they've they've been you know worse than Avila, maybe even. Um, and you know that that's an organization that I don't look at as particularly advanced, and is an organization that needs the commodity that we have, which is pitching. And maybe you know maybe something could be arranged there to get yourself a decent position prospect. Um, I didn't think the Phillies were a terrible idea either, because now that they've you know paid Real Muto and Bryce Harper, they're in you know desperation mode, and it's not going very well. Um, and my dalliance with Gabe Kapler isn't looking that great, but you know that was, that was more of a philosophical thing rather than ever expecting Gabe Kapler to to work for an Illich organization. It's just not a you know a personality fit. But yeah, you know you've got to find a couple teams that are already you know highly leveraged and desperate to win and take and try to take advantage of them. But it's it's just harder than it used to be. I mean, I'll agree with Mark, you know, and probably all all of Tigerdom that Dave Dombrowski was a goddamn genius at, at, at forcing those kind of trades and just, just reaming people with them, you know, like <laughs> trade it for Max Scherzer, you idiots. But um, yeah, you know, it, it's harder to, it's just harder to find that right now. Yeah. I mean, getting Ian Kinsler for Prince Fielder, like so Jesus many. Christ, what a deal. By the way, what an escape act that was after a terrible mistake by his owner to just like, Oh, well, I'll just take Ian Kinsler. 
And uh, yeah, thanks. Here's Prince Builder. Enjoy the barbecue and the bad neck. The challenge with answering that question about which minor league pitchers we would use as trade pieces is that you don't know how other organizations value the guys that we have. And you don't know how the Tigers value the guys that we have. Um, Outside of Mize and Manning, and I guess you can throw (laughs) Scooble in that mix now, right? (laughs) Uh, how how do other organizations value Bo Burrows or Kyle Funkhauser or Anthony Castro? Get it together, Kyle Funkhauser. <laughs> I know you're out there listening. Yeah, Kyle Funkhauser's future ace. Come on. Look at my show notes in front of you. Give me something. What? What's it say? Take a look. As we, uh, Does Detroit the evaluate their own players and prospects poorly? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I guess, and how do we, as the, we call ourselves the public analysts, as Mark has coined us, are we evaluating these guys appropriately? I think Bo Burrows is a reliever. I think Kyle Funkhauser is a potential reliever. I think Anthony I think Castro is a reliever. Gregory Soto is a reliever. What What do the Brewers think about those guys? What do they, like, I, Padres, what do they think about those? I have no idea. Well, let, let me let me throw something out there about that. So if they all pan out, they'll have a good bullpen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. right. Sure. I did a little podcast about there's, that myself. There's, there's, not there's more truth in that than you, we, than you if, know. if the usage was, was creative, the Tigers could put together an interesting pitching staff next year. P.S. They won't. Did J.D. Martinez get better or worse after he left Detroit? Same. I don't know. He's terrific. I think he was the he's same. A terrific I think he, baseball player. Yeah. I think he just adjusted How to the various environments. On other hitters on Boston? A shit ton. Not even yeah. just them. Roberto Perez, the Indians catcher, was talking the other day about J.D. Martinez talking to him briefly and talking to him about a couple things. J.D. Martinez is um, Johnny Appleseed for mash and taters. Okay. So, I mean, it, just, just – you know, I, I, I don't get mad at Willie Adamas playing shortstop for Tampa. It took him five years to get there. We got David Price. We spun that into Matt Boyd and Daniel Norris. It's, it's hard to get too mad about, okay? Yeah. But, you know, Max Scherzer, what did we get back from Max Scherzer? Five years prime <laughs> of his career. What did we get back for him again? Kristen Stewart. Yeah. I think we got two tickets to the Cy Young Award dinner, and we got nothing. I mean, we got zero for him, and that was when, you know, you know, J.D. Martinez, what did we get back for J.D.? Nothing. Uh, what, yeah. what, what did we get back for Nick Castellanos? Black and white, clear as crystal. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. Alex Lang, baby. No, um, for Nick Castellanos, they also got nothing. Right That's what that was. <laughs> I mean, the, the bottom line is the parade. Players are not getting worse when they're leaving the Tigers. They're not getting worse. And often they're getting better. Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander. By the way, this is, this is overrated. actually quite good. Thank you. Before he left, did they figure out how to maximize him? for an extended period of time and expose him to information maybe he wasn't seen before? Absolutely. Yep. And actually, Brad Osmus also 
And also, Brad Osmus tried very hard to get him to accept that new data. It didn't have anything to do with anybody who's still with the Tigers, the front office, nobody. Rick Porcello won a Cy Young. I feel like like this is what happens in Detroit every time he leaves. It could be worse, though. At least we're not Detroit. (laughs) We're not Detroit. I'm trying to think of right now. I'm just trying to counter that nonsense with someone who got better or got worse than when they left Detroit. And the only one I can think of is David Price, but we didn't really have him long enough really? to count. No, and he eh, it wasn't good. I, I, we can, guys, we could be here all night with this, but I mean, okay. I think. Uh, I, I was going to ask you if this is now a telethon. No, we're about to. I think we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, it's, we're, it's about. Uh, Shane Green? Oh. No, he's gotten he's gotten better now, or has his numbers seven scoreless appearances? I think. Okay, so he's come. You know, everybody thought they won the trade, quote unquote, two weeks after it was happened. So everybody calmed down finally. I still like Joey Wentz and Travis Merritt, though. Don't don't feel bad about. Oh that. no no yeah I, yeah, yeah so I like I like Travis Merritt. I do. But uh, thank you so much for everybody for all the questions. We got a couple calls tonight. It's been really well. Thanks for Robert James for calling in. Thanks for the gentleman in New Hampshire with the <laughs> Robbie. Um, well house. Well house. Thank you. Question. Um, are you doing the Jason Friday the Thirteenth? I thought Brandon was doing. I just want to know you're going to release one hour of this podcast for the next nine straight days. It's going to be. It's 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 been. Let's see. It's an hour and a half right now. So we're. No, it's. Yeah, we started at eight thirty. Almost eight thirty. No, wait, wait. No, two hours. This is a two hour podcast. Yeah. Holy shit. Okay. Is so, this hard uh, of glass. No, this is the. <laughs> This is, of course, the, the This Week in Baseball theme. How's it sound on your headphones? Is it, do you hear it? It sounds great. Okay. All right. Well, shout out to Peter Gammons. Yeah. Shout out to all the Tiger lovers and Tiger lover haters out there. Brandon, thank you so much for coming in. Kian, thanks for the Tiger ticket today. It was really fun. George, uh, good to find the media. And uh, Mark, again, thank you for hosting. Great food, great times. And, of course, you can listen to our podcast at TigersMinorLeagueReport.com. Brandon, you have a podcast coming up. Yeah, you know, you can just check out all of our stuff at BlessYouBoys.com. We're getting lazy because the season has been long and the Tigers suck, but you can check out our stuff there, and I'll have some more positives. Yeah, Rob, soon. Rob's tweets have been getting funnier. Yeah, Rob doesn't give a fuck at this point, honestly. <laughs> God. Hey, Rob, Soccer's, get it together, baby. Come soccer's on. starting, so that's all that matters to Rob at this point. If I can uh, plug a... Uh, Go for it. <laughs> uh, Brian's back in, yeah. And I, and I think I got a few other interesting guests lined up for the next month. Um, Don't stop believing Tiger fans. Shout out, shout out to Chris Brown, you were missed tonight. Yep. Someday the Tigers will be good again. Shout yep. out to Anthony Fennick. Hey, Anthony uh, Fennick, troublemaker. We love you. Ben, we missed you tonight. Yeah. The shrimp was good, Fennick. I'd yeah. like to Sorry. say thank you to Sandy Garage. Yeah, yeah. Sandy. And um, Jordan Rush, former oh. potential minor league pitcher. All yeah. of our oh, shoulders suck. All of our friends down in Florida got a hurricane coming. No yeah. GCL, no Buckle Florida down. State League. Terry Nummer, Sherry Cousin, James, James Shipman. Shipman. Yep, Adenso Reyes. Adenso Reyes down in the Dominican Republic, brother, help us. Yeah. And uh, shout out to Adam Durbin who gave me his uh, Tiger uh, rookies of the year. That That's we'll, right. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll the put Dubinator. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Adam's great. So, AJ Marco, what's up? And we'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody, for listening.
Ashley. How, what's up, Ashley? Oh, yeah. Ashley. 